so, so this is going to be a really interesting episode. This is season two, episode one, which is kind of a start. And uh, I actually would like to take the audience through how we got to this moment. But before I do, we got to talk about serendipity. Like personally, maybe it shows up a bit more, more professionally. And for those who are listening, you can't see Beverly's face. She's smiling because she knows exactly where I'm going to go with this. Uh, Beverly, should we share? Well, first, welcome. And should we share the, the our, our serendipity moment? Yes, we should share it. And, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll share my my experience and how we came to be. Um, you know, Adam, you, you reached out a few months ago and it came at such a serendipitous time for me. It was like you were listening out there to a conversation that I had just had. Um, and then I went out on LinkedIn and researched who you were and listened to a couple of your podcasts. And I, and I thought, oh my God, somebody else is thinking about the same things. And not that I thought I was the only one thinking these things, but just again, the connection. And then we kept coming together. And as I have been talking about the consumerization of HR products and how that will really define you know, the future of a people organization or an HR organization, um, you were there with me. It was crazy. I mean, I saw your saying, I know people can't see your face either right now, but the smiles, right, during that call, it's like the light bulbs and the stars and the fireworks all went off at the same time. So, yes, and we had fireworks, multiple conversations getting ready for this episode, but I think it's helpful to put some data behind how the serendipity took place. I actually checked the data and we've sent out 7,200 emails. Okay. In the seven months preceding to connect with leaders who will understand a bit about the future and of, of people initiatives, you want to talk, talk about it. I've had almost 200 conversations, 37 episodes, okay, ended season one. And um, we knew what, when we talked to Spirit Airlines about consumerization of the employee experience, there's something to it that this is how we're going to open up season two, where we're going to spend a lot of our time, specifically the tension between business outcomes and consumerization. But I have begun to talk about consumerization in the last two month and a half. Very interesting. Um, I get a from all the way from no, 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 this shouldn't apply internally to I don't see it you know, I don't get it, to maybe curiosity, in some cases, people go, huh, th this could be interesting, to a few conversation where we had f a bit of productive discussions, actually, couple that are coming up, you are one of three, you're one of three when I said it, and it was like, whoa, whoa, th this is it, Let let's unpack. So before we do, let's reflect on your on your background, it doesn't seem like you found HR, HR found you. Charles Schwab, now with PayPal, but, we, but you got to share your unique story. Yeah, and I, I think we, we talked a little bit about it previously in that I think my career journey isn't, I think, the normal one, right? Um, I didn't come out of my you know, undergrad or graduate school with a clear vision of where I was going to go. And, and so my entire career has been, you know what, I'm going to try something and learn from it. Oh, they have a problem. I think I can fix it. I love troubleshooting and putting puzzle pieces together. I love unpacking things and putting them back together, right? And um, that has been, that's how I ended up in HR. And as you mentioned at, uh, at, at Schwab, we had a, a transformation and 
I had just started as a contractor wanting to try something new. I had been in, in mostly startups previously in the technology sector and doing very different work. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I was in an HR organization and not really knowing what that meant. Uh, so my career in HR over the last, I would say, 16 years, 16, yeah, 16 years has, has been a collection of moments and experiences and working with people across HR to understand how it all works together in current state. And then as I've shared with you, I, I am a futurist and what that means, you know, and, and sometimes people also roll their eyes when they hear somebody self-describe themselves as a visionary. And I get it, right? It's what you do with that vision. It's what you do with the, the vision of the future and what could be and then execute on it, right? It's not just the vision. It's an understanding of how you could possibly get from today to tomorrow in implementing that vision over time. And that that's what happened to me in HR. And so again, understanding how all of the puzzle pieces fit together and where the opportunities lie, especially in, in recent years um, after I, I started focusing on change management, right, which is the people side of change and, and the psychology behind that. Um, and as I've shared many times, uh, and my, my team is probably sick of hearing me say it, but, uh, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And that applies to any kind of change. Um, and so we'll get into the mechanics of, well, what is the whole consumerization of HR products and, you know, how do you do that and why is it important? Um, but that's a little bit about my background. And as you know, Adam, and, and maybe people can feel in my voice, I'm very passionate, um, as well about the future. Absolutely. And, and, and we're going to talk about why is now the time? And I also, for the audience, want to just quickly reflect, you know, I say, we say HR, we could also say change management, we could also say talent development, we could talk about even on the operation side, there is a technology perspective, there's all kinds of perspectives. So when we say why is the time now? And why is the time to reinvent HR? Why is the time to reinvent the way we approach people initiatives? And so then I ask, why not now, right? Um, now better than ever. And, and I had been reading over the last couple of weeks as well. There was um, a recent Gallup employee engagement survey. And, you know, it indicated, not surprisingly, that engagement elements with the steepest declines since the onset of the pandemic were clarity of expectations, connection to the mission and purpose, um, of a company, opportunities to learn and grow, and opportunities to do what's what employees do best. And that's not, I mean, we've heard that for years, right? So the reason I bring that up is nothing has changed. These are the exact things that HR has been talking about, at least for the almost two decades that I've been in HR. We haven't moved the needle on that. And why is that? Right. Um, and you hear a lot out there around the future, you know, in addition to the future of work, the future of HR. And so how do we get there and what does that mean? And it's not going to happen over overnight. Right. It is going to take time. It's going to take years. And it's really about changing the culture and the mindsets 
of HR professionals as well. So again, ultimately, HR isn't hitting the mark. And you know, culture and people, as we talked about last time, it, we're changing so quickly. HR isn't keeping up. And so they got to pause. And I know it's difficult when things are moving at mock speed. HR has to, or people organization, change management organization has to stop and think, how do we how do we rethink this, right? What are we missing? And, and that, you know, ultimately, I think, as I, I have alluded to, it really comes down to two things, especially for an HR or people organization. HR is just historically reactive. And, and it's part of the job sometimes, right? Policies change, laws change. And so a company has to shift quickly to accommodate those pieces. And then HR actually, I'll always talk about this as well. Um, HR doesn't lead by example with their own HR employees. So think about that. Um, and for anybody listening that hasn't been in HR, HR has a bad rap typically, right? And are perceived as higher and fire. Um, and, and in general, I'm stereotyping here, just has a negative, a negative brand. Um, and that is partly, in my opinion, because HR doesn't do the same for its own employees, right? As what they're trying to do for the employees. You got to start with what's right in front of you. You got to start with what's right under your tent first and your remit. Totally agreed. So let this be the moment where we change the tide. Let this be the moment where we begin to ask a different set of questions. And, and the one that I, you know, that I think is important to start with is what are the business objectives? What I'm finding in almost every conversation that comes up, especially those that have had, you know, successful careers and are, are thinking about how to create real change within their organizations, they start by asking what what's in it for the organization? How do we accomplish it? Yes, there are other questions to ask, but let's begin with that one. And uh, to give context to our discussion, what do you think would be the highest ROI today? What would be one one business outcome that we can focus our discussion on? So, and I'm taking my own notes here too. If you see me looking down um, here on my other, my other screen. So one of the biggest areas um, from an ROI perspective, one of the biggest opportunities is that in current state, again, in my experience and from what I've seen in the industry, is that from a people perspective, we don't always do the best job of making sure that what we are delivering in terms of products and services to an organization, to a company, doesn't align to the bottom line, which is the business priorities, right? Um, and it's tough because, again, I'm specifically talking about people, HR organizations, but you know, it's a shared service function in supporting um, the business. But if you think about it, if you are truly impacting, not just enhancing, impacting the employee experience, and now I'm going to take this moment to shift my, my, um, my language over to consumer experience, and they're one and the same, right? So, so come along with me on this journey because they do equate to one another if you are positively impacting the consumer experience, the employee experience are going to be more engaged. They're going to be an engagement leads to innovation. 
innovation leads to profit, right, for the company. So it's all inter- interconnected. If you've got s- consumer satisfaction, that's going to equate to what a company, any company wants, right? Increased revenues and those profit margins high up there as well. And that is where we're thinking typically more tactically and reactively in HR organizations. So how do we shift this culture to move to this consumer approach and where we're creating products? And if we're creating products, what do you have to do to deliver a product to a consumer? And it's not working in silos, because again, in my experience, you have so much behind the curtains in an HR organization. It's much more than talent, you know, talent recruiters, and then your HR business partners and offboarding uh, transformation. There is so much happening within an HR organization. And so it leads to silos. And silos leads to, well, here's what I want to do. And here's what I think my consumer wants. And I'm going to go to market with my product when I want to go to market with my product. So think about, I think we use the, the example, I mean, Microsoft, right? Um, they are delivering products to their consumers. Well, are they just working in silos and coming up with what they think their consumers want and then bombarding the consumers with, hey, buy, 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 adopt, adopt, adopt take this on, right? No, that's not how you go to market. If we can shift that mindset and not just the mindset, it is also then how do you create an operating model that supports this new approach to providing our employees with products that have impact on their bottom line? That's where the magic really starts to happen. I'm going to pause because I have several other things I want to Make sure I, I touch on here in a second, but I'll breathe. No, I, I'm in awe. I, t- I to- totally agree. And, and it's the first question you, you shared with me the way you were thinking about it. And I loved the power of the first question, which was, do you think of your employees as consumers? We just need to just take a big pause there. Like, do you, do you care for your customers? Yeah, of course we do. How much effort goes into that care? How many people and resources do we have in how we communicate? Oh, we're data-driven. We care about everything. We care about the weather where you live and what you purchased. We care about the age of your kids and your preferences. We care if you're biking or swimming. We care about everything. Whatever data we can obtain will help us show we care. Right? And then when it turns to employees, sure, we, we, we say we care. And there are some programs that we run. So, and, and what I love is the kind of the next question. And, and, and you know, when you, when we, if we answer the question, yes, right, then the next question is where you want. And I, and I just want to just unpack that a little more. It's thinking about HR as a product, thinking about change management as a product, productization. We're not talking about productizing people. We're not talking about productizing the importance of what they do. We're specifically talking about meeting them where they are with whatever product you have. Go to market. You said those words too. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a co-founder of an agency out of Chicago. We talk about go to market externally all the time. Have we talked about 
go to market internally. So how do folks make that shift? And by the way, a bit of your background touched on product. Most people have never touched on product. Those that are in HR, you say, think about it as a product. We think, do, do we immediately know exactly what it means to them? No, no. Certainly not. And um, I'll use a real life example um, with my own team in the last couple of months is they are, for the most part, we started as a change management shop within HR operations. And that's where initially we started to see, well, there's no real impact here to the bottom line. Um, And all of this work is done up front and then nothing happens after our product, a product, and then I'll talk about some specific examples of products in HR. Um, nothing is done afterwards, right? How do we know that it's having the impact after it launched? And over time, are we monitoring and analyzing how our consumer base is using our product? Is it what, how we thought based on the research that we should have done up front before even starting to think about implementation of this product is it are we realizing the impact we thought and if not then how do we need to shift to increase adoption maybe we missed something along the way or maybe we totally missed the mark and this isn't the right product at this time the other piece too is it yeah again going back to change is constant. We, we've said that for a long time, but it is so true now and exponential. So you've got to reassess more often than historically, right? You're reassessing given the state of, you know, state of affairs of our society, how our culture is changing, this, our global economics, again, is no longer the stagnant North Star that can remain the same, you know, for three, three, four more years. Um, it is constantly changing. So what you launched a year ago may be irrelevant the next year. And I, it is exhausting. And HR historically just, um, for those, again, not as familiar with a people organization, I mean, it, have as many people right in an HR organization. So what can you do with fewer resources? And that's where it goes to what I mentioned earlier. We got to reimagine the operating model. Um, Of course, there are elements that need to remain the same in terms of at least we need to support compensation and and benefits, right? Um, employee relations and advocacy, those types of things. But how do you operationalize the rest, right? That support talent growth, internal career mobility, just being able to know where to go for information and HR resources. And it's delivered in a way that is spoken in terms that our consumers will understand. And that's not always... That's not always the case. As you know, I love to go down rabbit holes, but uh, let me pause. No, no, that was, that was perfect. And, and what I'd like to do is just, just clarify, which is, I think it's real interesting when you said, you know, do more with fewer resources. I, I think, let's go back to the question you've asked. Do you think of your employees as consumers? Let's ask that question to the folks that are listening, the change agents. They will all say absolutely yes, otherwise they wouldn't be listening. This is not the right podcast for them. The next question is, do their executives agree? 
And when I say I agree not in concept, but in resources, because if you agree in concept, sure, we could just say yes and move on with our days. The way we would agree is by saying, um, no, not do more with less, but get more. Because business outcomes are going to change as a result, right? I, I think that's an important clarification. And I know there are some folks that are listening and I've spoken to them. It is the do more with less. And absolutely, I get it. Sometimes the budget cycles or the organization doesn't align. Then adapt the mindset. Yes, adapt the mindset. Learn about product. Think about differently from your communication standpoint. But without an operating system, without technology, processes, people in place, can you do that at scale? And what I want to talk about is, you know, how would you do this on scale? And I want to turn our attention to something else you and I totally agreed on, and I think most people would. We are avalanched everywhere all the time, personally and professionally, like completely. There isn't a conversation I have where a question of, will they have the time? Will they do this? Do that? Do whatever it is. How do you even reach them? That, to me, has been another interesting question. How do you reach them? Email? Average person at work, what, 200, 300, four, well, however many, hundreds of emails they receive? I, again, we were talking about this previously. Everyone, no matter what your job is right now, everybody can relate to this, right? We are, it's just information overload anymore, right? You're getting hit from all angles at all times of the day. And so that's a, you know, another topic we can talk about some other time, but the whole communications reimagining communications. And, and I have some colleagues, um, both current and, and previous that have talked about how do you do that in the communications space? And um, it does tie to something you said earlier, sponsorship at the top, right? How do we do that? But in the absence of that, because there's still information overload, how do you bring, going back to your question, I would think you were getting at is, how do you bring the consumer along the employee along on the journey without just bombarding them with with uh, with communications. Um, that is a big part of the whole consumer experience. And so, I mean, I can get really tactical and maybe it's for another another session where we talk about, all right, well, how do you take this concept of consumerization and, and then actually operationalize that? What are some Again, a lot of this is in my head, but how do you operationalize that? How do you organize yourselves to do that and to scale to support that? Um, but a big piece, and this ties to change management, is bring them along on the journey. Do a whole bunch of focus groups um, early on and validate. This is where you start to really understand what is the problem that we're trying to solve for for our, our audience, right? In some cases, it's all employees, some cases it's just managers. So you start there and then communication, right? Is your communication is used to, for the change practitioners on the call, they, that's typically where you're building awareness around a change that is coming, right? And, or a product that is going to be rolled out. So you do it through these other types of vehicles and bringing them along on the journey. Then they're starting to innately build desire. Then they're starting to talk about it with their colleagues, with their family, right, over time. So I want to make sure I'm getting at what you, you want there, Adam. But, you know, that, that's a part of the whole consumerization um, timeline, workflow, right? If I lift and shift a, a 
an HR employee to, let's say, HR operations function, I've seen this starting, this narrative starting to pop up in some of those job profiles out there. Operations space, you could have an ops team that are functioning as product managers in a way. And I certainly don't want to diminish what product managers do. Um, where they're like at PayPal, right? PayPal has lots of products and, and the work that goes into that. But it's a similar notion. And product managers are the ones who are visionaries, the ones who are going out and understanding what problems they're trying to, to solve for, and then bringing teams together uh, within HR to then define and build whatever that, that product ends up being. And then making sure that it aligns with the go-to-market, the broader go-to-market strategy for all of HR's products and timelines. But again, I will, uh, I'll pause. You're, you're passionate about it, and we're creating the space to do this, to, to unpack, because it, it, we're creating something entirely new. The, this is a conversation between visionaries for visionaries, right, who are thinking about all of these ideas, and sometimes it's not going to be a, a linear process. But I do want to reflect on a couple of things, one of them being, you know, we think about uh, uh, thinking from a product perspective for HR internally, that that represents one of so many blending role changes that I'm seeing. It's even hard to tell who's going to be doing what in the future. Like operations specifically, I have now a number of organizations where I've talked to a change management leader and a, a talent and development leader, and they said, okay, well, you write business outcomes. We're going to go talk to the chief operating officers to get them involved. And a few of them came back and said, whoa, bullseye. Their eyes popped open. They want to be a part. Of course, this is a way to enable them achieving their outcomes. They're not interested in hearing about you achieving yours on the activities level. Yes. Right? Yes. So the other thing that I that I want to mention is, you know, when we think about communications in the future, and you mentioned kind of reinventing it, we could ask what works with us as customers. There are a couple things that works really well with me as an example bite size the kind oh it's everybody probably making it super visually appealing right super relevant and also put it in the channel where i'm gonna go look instagram you know twitter you know facebook i i'm linkedin one of those channels that's it beyond that getting a hold of me is not getting my attention is not going to be easy when we look at the workplace we're seeing microsoft teams explode in use that or Slack. In fact, we could say this is where work gets done. So if these efforts are not inside Microsoft Teams, just by definition, you're basically saying to the person, that's optional. We don't care about that as much. And then you're just making me think here. You can see, if nobody can see my face, but you can see my face and uh, the wheels spinning. Um, you are absolutely right. And this is something that, that uh, my team, it's one of the things that my team and I have been trying to evolve um, in support of the HR space the last couple of years. To your point, if you're going to have you know, that, that information, I do agree it's got to be in various locations, right? It's got to be the same if it's going to be in various locations. Um, what I have seen and what we were trying to address to enhance the uh, consumer experience too was either centralizing it all in one what we called HR hub for all HR hub resource for all HR resources and then marketing in various channels like you mentioned Slack and 
obviously we're contained to a certain amount of channels internally, um, but the consistency is key in what you are communicating and can't, you know, the campaign, we talked about that in our last call, right? Including that as part of your campaign. Let's double click on that campaign. I think that it's worth coming back to and what you just said, is it the same communication? So let's test it. Is it the same communication throughout or is it the same Amy to start with? For instance, if you're launching a some kind of a, a talent acceleration program, something where you're trying to get people to raise their hand if they're interested in a certain thing, in a certain, certain skill set. Maybe the first communication is the same, but thereafter you have an opportunity to build audiences. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's the, but it's the managing, making sure you're not over communicating, which I have seen quite a bit. Oh, we're going to send them another reminder and another reminder. And then it becomes all right, this is desperation and I'm still not coming back to the consumer experience. What problem are you trying to solve for me? Right? Because that kind of approach, that's where you really have to be thoughtful. That kind of approach then ties to the whole where it's coming from. This is my, these are my metrics. This is how we're going to show that we had impact. It's not connected. And that's again, the, the, that's the disconnect. I think often in this space where we're communicating and if we've got two things two topics we're talking about here right how you communicate as part of your your campaign but the other piece tying it to the consumer experience how do you draw them in that's the thing right it's the oh we're going to build awareness about this product instead of i'm going to draw you in and and connect for you why you need why this you need this product and how this product will solve X, Y, and Z for you. Because right now it's a lot of like, oh, we just launched this, this program and it's amazing, sign up, go, go sign up. Um, and it's gonna help in your, your career. You know, it's gonna help you grow these skill sets. Well, what's the, how does that tie to the bottom line for me though? Um, why do I wanna go, as an example, go take this training program? I got my work to do. So for again, thinking about the employee experience, I don't have time. I don't have time to take training. So L&D often looks at, I've got a learning dashboard and it's showing me how many people are registering and taking these trainings. Awesome. You know, we got a 50% increase in taking this training over the last year. Well, that could, that could be because we had more hires, new hires, you know, recently, or it could be because it was included in a, a manager program where it wasn't before. Right. But again, what, What's the bottom line? What's how's this? How does this have business outcome impact? Mm -hmm. So let's give it. Let's be super futuristic and yet see if we can draw a direct line between the things that we're discussing so far. So we've got a business outcome. Let's 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 focus on something I hear over and over again: retention. That could change. Today we hear retention. Then let's ask the question of, okay, if it's retention, you, likely you're going to focus on the manager population. You could focus on comp, benefits. There are other elements that are involved. Policy, there's other things. But once you get through those, you're going to focus on the manager because we know it's about the manager experience. Then you're going to ask the question of, okay, how do we support our managers? Whether they, that being in developing them, reminding them, what programs are we going to run? And to your point now, if we start to think like marketers, think about them as customers, we say, okay, well, let's divide our managers between those that are, you know, interested in participating in certain things and those who are not. Because if you send me a bunch of reminders and I don't care, 
I am just working. Leave me alone. That's not going to help. It's the opposite. It's going to be like, oh my goodness, another one, really? Now, if I'm the kind of manager who says, yeah, yeah, what else is going on? Where else can I show I care that I want to grow? Give me an opportunity. Well, that's a different audience. And that audience may benefit from a reminder or a couple reminders and help navigate them. You know, I use the word nudges all the time. How do you nudge them, whether it's in you know, Twitter, social, any kind of social media? How do we take that concept in and nudge the right audience to do the kind of things they're interested in? And now we're improving retention by supporting our managers, by nudging them with data throughout the entire process. So I'm going to bring it back to the center of this initial, you know, this topic that we're here about. Bring it back to consumerization of the product, right? So for the managers, and and we also talked about manager effectiveness in our last conversation conversation and it again on yet another topic that companies have been trying to solve for um, and improve manager effectiveness for decades this isn't anything new and yet companies still talk about it i think i really believe it comes back to if we are solving for again from an hr um, and people lens if we are solving how we devise a product and develop a product so that it has true impact on manager effectiveness in this particular case, that will impact retention, right? In a positive way. So if you are developing, let me take, uh, let me take actually annual, the annual cycle or year end, people call it different things, the annual performance and reward cycle, right? Where then at the end you deliver your performance assessment to employees. Yes, it's a pro- program, but it, it's, it's a product too. It's a collection of, of various products. And something that is one thing that, again, people have talked about for years is that oh, managers, they just don't deliver performance reviews well, and they don't have ongoing performance conversations through the year and career development conversations. So what's the disconnect there? It's got to be tied to, they don't, it's, there's no connection to their business outcomes. And, you know, I shared with you that I have um, done a secondment as an HR business partner supporting a segment of the product organization recently. And so my assumptions as a change leader were validated as I listened to the challenges. And I, I think I used this phrase last time. Anything coming out of HR, they're checkboxes. And especially to leadership and managers, it's like, oh, here's another thing. All right, fine. Just tell me what I need to do and when I need to do it by and we'll get it done. Because especially a product, a, a company's real product organization, they're driving revenue for the company, right? That's what they're focused on. So you've got to connect what HR is creating in terms of their products and how that will help them actually enable their bottom line. And so their effect, go, going back to your question around managers and, and retention. So if we're creating pro- products that are actually really helping managers hit that bottom line and some of their people, they have, they'll have their own kind of people or talent pillar in their, their annual business strategies, 
retention is always typically one of them, right? And so if we can really have impact from our HR products to elevate X, Y, and Z within the manager population, that will innately have impact on their employees and employees being retained, right? Because managers will help develop their careers. Managers will help employees with internal mobility, right? And I know that's something that companies are also trying to to up-level instead of, I think, uh, I don't know if I saw the 20% or 40% mark. So really focusing on that. And, and right now they don't. And then what that leads to eventually too is, is uh, you know, layoffs. So you're trying to mitigate that anyway. Again, my diatribe. You know I'm enjoying this, and I'm sure the audience is too. Um, the next thing that I, that you and I started to talk about and comes up in almost every conversation is if someone agrees we should consumerize, whether you use the word HR or employee experience. Let's just focus on consumerization internally. The next interesting question is who should own it and who should be the enablers of it? And um, this one gets wild. This has got, and it also is specific to different industries where this goes. So where would you go with this? Who who would own consumerization? There could be several different models. I do think, again, with through the lens of HR and people organizations, first of all, let me say, I think that HR, hopefully, fingers crossed, will look entirely different in 10 to 15 years. Right. So in current state, it may sound like I'm trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And that's because it does feel a little bit like that. I personally think that what we know today as an HR operations function, and there are lots of different flavors of that out there, HR shared services, whatever you want to call it. um, There are lots of different operating models for that out there. I think that's where we could start. Um, it's where you also can see people analytics teams, workforce planning type teams, and change experience type teams to be, again, if I'm going to use the analogy of product manager. So be product managers, work with the product owners in the various COEs. So whether you know that's an L&D or executive talent, et cetera, even compensation and benefits, right? product owners, having that centralized and building the operating model around that, I think that's near term. I don't know yet what what the future vision might look like because we don't know, right, what uh, it will look like. It's going to be something that I probably haven't even imagined um, and, and most of us haven't, right? But that's where I think it would make sense initially, especially in alignment with a people analytics function who are going to help provide and create dashboards, scorecards to keep measuring and monitoring, you know, product KPIs, product metrics, obviously that feed into the high level KPIs. So that's a, that's one, one area I could see it working. I could totally see that. 
I'm just thinking to and reflecting and comparing to all the conversations I'm having, I'm processing. I was like, in the last week, it's been another 10 or 15. And I'm like, whoa, on this side, we went over the chief medical officer. What? Because they own the outcome. And the people were saying, hey, if we the chief medical officer owns it, we have budgets, we have resources, because we understand the exact relationship. I've seen it go to chief operating officer. I've seen it go to actually lines of business and, and starting to think about depending on the kind of business you, you, you run. You, you're in and the dynamics of the business. But what I I think is 100% the case is that always technology emerges as an enabler, 100%. I do get different reactions mixed between, oh, we should definitely go talk to them. They're awesome to, uh oh, oh, technology, that's going to be a problem. That's we're going to need to reinvent in an, in a different way. And then the new one that has been coming up more and more. And um, yes, I am bringing it up. So maybe that's partially why it's coming up is marketing. What if we were to bring the resources, the capabilities, and there are also various models, either partnering with marketing or hiring mark product managers, like literally saying, okay, we run an internal product called abc how do we staff it as we would is there a user experience totally yeah 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 is there an a b testing of different str- yeah there's probably a b testing how much do we know about the person well how could we find out more i could totally see you just triggered again it's a shame people can't see our faces because they'd be they'd be laughing and smiling with us but you gave me a thought around a, a hub and spoke type model so let's even call it let's re let's just throw something out there that may, may not exist, but let's call it the employee experience organization, right? It's not in HR or any other, any other function. And to your point, right, we're ideating here, we're innovating together, but to your point, could have similar type roles to what you're saying, right? Um, product managers. And so farming them out and aligning them to the various organizations like an HR organization, like a technology organization. If you have a product organization, that would, could be interesting. Again, you can't see my face. I'm solving for that. But where then you have one consistent approach to productization of internal products or consumerization of internal products, excuse me, um, and centralizing that. Um, again, I came at it from since it's what I'm hoping to do in the near future is consumerization of HR products, but certainly looking at it more broadly for a company to do it internally for their employees and in maybe a hub and spoke model. We thought about the, the title for this episode to be, do you think of employees as customers, consumers? I, I think the way that this entire conversation has been about, do we consumerize HR? I mean, literally, I mean, that's that that's where it's the focus is and, and your fo- emphasis on product. And I think many of the folks who are listening are going to be like, what are you talking about? Yes, they will. From a product person. I think they're already on board on the consumerization, but now we're taking it further and saying, think about it as a product. When you first saw, said it to me, I, that that I had a couple of days where I was processing it too. I was like feeling a little uncomfortable. I was like, product, product, what do you, what do you mean? Boom, got it. Okay. Okay, I'm there with you. So, uh, I mean, I, we could go on and on for hours. Beverly, there, there's no question. And I hope we will continue. And I hope that we bring together more folks like who, who think about these questions in person, have a conference and continue the journey. But what advice, you know, at the end, I like to ask, again, think about the ch- agents of change inside organizations that are listening. They're pr- most are frustrated. 
I, I think if not all right i mean that's our reality most are seeing the opportunity and that opportunity we're not doing anything about right we're not able to get that wind that that momentum behind us what advice and i know you're on a journey we're all on a journey what advice would you give them here's how i'll frame it because it's what i'm gonna i'm going to do for myself and i mean again totally relate to the frustration of not being able to get anything over the finish line of not having the impact we know we can have i really feel like you've got to test and learn maybe a smaller shop um to show how it can work it's hard to do at larger companies it really is and it's it's not bad it's just the way it is i really feel that's where you can start and if you know if you're not you're at a bigger company and you want to stick it through and, and make it work, start first and foremost, to your point, Adam, get grounded in the narrative. And this is going to take a bit because it took me a couple of months of creating this whole narrative and redesigning my team to enable this potential future um, in, in my current role. Once you do that, like you did, you said it took you a couple of days, Adam, it will give you ideas on maybe some organic baby steps you can take to begin that journey. Because um, it's better, these baby steps are, are better than no steps, right? So that we can innovate and reimagine the future. So it's what I'm doing. Baby steps better than no <laughs> steps. Drop the mic. Beverly, this was fun. Thank you so much for the time. And, and I, I, I can't Thanks, wait for Adam. our next conversation. So to be Bye. continued. Over now. Bye.